Are you glad to be here tonight? I'm glad you're here because I've already preached this to myself, so I don't need to hear it again. So I'm really glad y'all are here. Good to see you tonight. We're going to continue with our uh, study of New Testament characters tonight. Uh, we started it last week. Can someone tell me who we looked at last week? Oh, nice. That's impressive. Stephen. And we took a look at him, Acts chapter 6 and uh, 9. And we're going to continue with Acts chapter 9 tonight. So go ahead and turn there if you would. I'm going to cover a woman tonight whose name, you ready? It's Dorcas. It always brings a chuckle. You just can't hardly help, but her name was Dorcas. That was her name. The story of Dorcas is, is a great story and it can serve as an inspiration to all of us. Duff is preaching to the junior high tonight because Josh is still uh, on vacation. And he, he asked me, he said, what are you speaking on tonight? I said, we're doing New Testament characters. He goes, oh, which one? And I said, Dorcas. Of course, he cracked up. And he goes, isn't that in the Old Testament? I said, yeah, Duff, I'm, I'm doing a study on New Testament characters. And I pulled one out of the Old Testament. That's what we did. And he goes, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense at all. Okay. Dorcas. I've never heard of Dorcas. And, and I, I don't know, I've, I've never really studied this woman before. Actually, when I looked at it, I really didn't know if it was a man or a woman until I really studied the scriptures on it. Uh, so we can learn uh, some valuable lessons tonight, I believe, from taking a look at this godly woman's life. Dorcas lived in Joppa, which was a town situated on the shore of the Mediterranean. It was at that time the chief seaport of Palestine. Joppa is mentioned several times in scripture. Can somebody tell me one time it's mentioned? Have any idea? Not Star Trek movie, not that that Joppa. Joppa the Hut. That's it. Yeah. Danny went there anyway on me. You know, he just went there. Jonah chapter one, it says, But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa. So we have the first time in Jonah chapter one, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from from the presence of the Lord. So when Jonah was running from God, he went down to Joppa and then Got on a boat to take off. Acts chapter 10, just one chapter later here, that what we're going to read our text in. It says, now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things, to them, he sent them to Joppa. So just a couple of instances where Joppa is actually mentioned in scripture. Uh, just a historic, real quick, uh, we know that there was a Christian church in Joppa. It was already established at this time where they were. This is where Dorcas lived. And we know there's a church there. And, and possibly, in studying this and looking at it, uh, many believers met to worship at Dorcas's house because that was the custom at the time. They didn't have a building like this. Uh, they would meet in houses uh, for their worship time and their study time. Uh, so let's take a look tonight at this woman, see what we can learn, and hopefully apply some things to our life. So Acts chapter 9, we're going to pick it up in verse 36. <coughs> at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciple has heard that Peter was there, 
they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics of garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And verse 42 says, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. Father, we come tonight and just, we ask that you speak to us. Just as we come together as your people tonight, different needs are present, but you know what they are. So I pray that you would take this study tonight from your word on this godly woman and challenge us with it. Let the word of God look at our heart, look at our works, look at why we do what we do and, and just examine us from the inside out tonight. God, encourage us tonight. Speak to us as only you can. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So what we have, basically overall surmising the story tonight, is we have just a regular woman, for the most part. Could I could name any one of you ladies here tonight, and it could have been Dorcas. Uh, they met in a house. They wor worshipped together. Uh, she, no special gifts per se. It doesn't say that she did anything what we would call of grandeur for God, right? It doesn't have anything magnificent there that we would look at and go, wow, that's just incredible. But she's mentioned in scripture and it's interesting. So let's look first of all at the name. Verse 36 tells us uh, her name in Aramaic was Tabitha, but in Greek, that's where they get the Dorcas from, which means antelope or gazelle. So her name Dorcas means antelope or gazelle, and both of those are very graceful animals. And looking into the name, it, it represents one who seeks after God. Well, that's a pretty cool name, isn't it? It doesn't sound like it, especially with us. I don't know if dork meant dork back then, you know, like it does now to us. Probably not. But it, when, when someone spoke Dorcas and someone knew what that meant, that meant one who seeks after God. And boy, did Dorcas live up to her name because that's what she did. It, it reminded me of Psalms chapter 42 and verse one, uh, antelope or gazelle. That scripture says, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul after you. Boy, that should be us too, shouldn't it? Just seeking after God. The one who expressed a, a tender love. And as we learn and study about this woman, we'll see that her name fit her well. Aramic Tabitha, but yet the Greek name, was Dorcas. And then the second thing I, I want to bring out here is this. It called her a disciple of Jesus. In verse 36, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple. Now that's real easy to read over. And, and I, I put together next Wednesday's sermon uh, this week too, and we're going to hammer this home again next week because it's so important. Verse 36 calls her a certain disciple, and that name disciple was applied to the early followers of Jesus Christ. Those who had believed that he was the son of God, that had put their faith and trust in him as savior from their sin. They were what were called followers of Christ or believers in Christ or disciples of Christ. It was a 
a descriptive word for them, a disciple. And she's called a certain disciple here. That word disciple actually means a learner. It's what the word means. A disciple of Jesus is one who sits at the feet of Jesus and learns from him. Now, we can't do that today in the flesh, but a disciple today would be one who sits under the teaching or the preaching or a disciple studies God's words intently to be more like Jesus. And the scripture says she was a disciple. She learned from him. She wanted to be like her master, like her Lord, like her savior. It reminded me, of two ladies in Luke chapter 10. It said, now it came to pass as they went that he, Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. What was Mary doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was trying to make sure the house was ready and the meal was going to be ready and everything was in place. And, and those things are important, but what did Jesus say? This is the most important thing right now. See, a disciple gets that. A disciple grabs a hold of that. A disciple understands that. And we need to be careful that we're not too busy to be in God's word. We need to be careful that we're not too busy to sit at the feet of Jesus, to learn about him and just spending time with him. And I know, folks, I know life gets hard. Life gets busy. Life gets crazy at times. And sometimes the first thing to go in our schedule is our time with Jesus. You agree with that tonight? I teach all the time in discipleship that we have two weapons in warfare, the spiritual warfare, Ephesians chapter six. We have the word of God, which is our sword, and we have prayer. Those are our two weapons. Let me ask you tonight, when we get busy and we, things get crazy and life gets nuts, what's usually the first two things that we cut out? Bible time and what? Reading and prayer. Have you ever done that? You ever gone a whole day and never spent time in the word of God and really didn't pray much because you're so busy? And there are only two weapons. We need to be careful and remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from our rabbi, learn from our teacher, learn from our master. What do you want to say? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. More busyness, more craziness, more TV time, more vacation is not what we need. We need time with Jesus. There's a lot that goes into that word disciple, that descriptive word disciple. There's a lot that's there. So let me ask you, how much time have you spent with God this week? And the way the word disciple is used in our text, it indicates that Dorcas was a believer in Jesus. She was a born again believer. She accepted Christ as Savior. And again, it's not a term to be taken lightly. In fact, Acts 11 
says, and when he had found them, he brought them to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to go to the end of that verse. They were first called what? What were they first called? Christians. What's the, what's the say right before that? Who was first called Christians? They were called disciples long before they were called Christians. They were called disciples when Jesus was in the flesh on the earth, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. They were called disciples and followers of Jesus. And to say, hey, they're a disciple of Jesus meant something. That they, he was their master. He was their rabbi. He was their teacher. They were trying to be like him. And then later on in Antioch, they called him Christians because they were trying to be Christ-like. But they were first called disciples. See, to be a real disciple means to accept the Lord's authority, to accept his lordship, to accept his discipline, to do his will, to be a, a true disciple of Jesus is he is Lord. I am not. He is Lord. My schedule is not. He is Lord. My job is not. He is Lord. Nothing else is. We cannot be called a disciple if we're ignoring him and ignoring trying to be like him. I wonder if we're disciples tonight. See if you agree with this statement. You can believe in Jesus and not be a disciple. You agree with that? Yeah, I can believe in Jesus. I can claim him as Savior all day long and not live my life to be like him, to be a true disciple. Big difference. And I believe this today, folks. I believe there's a lot of people that we talk to that we know, maybe our family, friends, neighbors. You run into people and say, hey, have you ever accepted Christ as your personal Savior? Have you ever been saved? And oh, yeah, I did that when I was a kid. And you're going, Really? So it talks about Dorcas here, and she was a disciple. That meant a lot. Just that phrase describes who she was. It doesn't mean she just knew Jesus and, you know, kind of talked about him. No, there's so much more to that. And then I want you to notice in verse 36, it says that Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works. And that's the next point I want to bring out tonight. Doing good works. She was full of good works. See, Dorcas was a doer, not just a talker. She wasn't just a dreamer. She wasn't what I like to call an intender. An intender. You know, you know what intenders are, right? They're always intending to do something. They never get around to it. I intend to read his word. I intend to go to church. I intend to pray. I intend to be a better person. I intend to be more like Jesus. They're intenders, but they never get around to it. That was not Dorcas. She was full of good works. That's who she was. And we all need to be like her. She used her time and talents to do something that would help others. That's what she did. I mentioned several weeks ago on Sunday morning, and that is we all need to be contributors, not just attenders. How are you contributing to the cause of Christ? How are you contributing to be Jesus to someone else? 
God created us to have a relationship with him and to serve others. Ephesians 2, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works. That's what we're created for, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in then. The result and evidence of salvation is to do good works, is to produce some fruit. And again, there's a lot of people that will claim salvation in Christ, but their life does not back up that proclamation at all. Do you agree with that? Sometimes my life doesn't. Shame on me. And I'm going to jump in here and we're going to go a little bit. Let me go a little bit east on you here, okay, from what we're doing. But we're talking about the good works passage here. And it's got to go to James chapter 2 on this. It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things that, which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works, not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Now, let me just make sure I'm clear here tonight, right? I'm not saying works saves us or saves our soul. Only faith alone in Jesus Christ does that. Okay, only faith alone. But the evidence of our salvation in James as produced in Dorcas's life, is good works. To say I'm a believer in Christ and live a horrible, rotten, sinful life does not back up my proclamation of being saved, of being saved from my sin. It, it certainly doesn't make me a disciple of Jesus because I'm not trying to be like him. I'm being as unlike him as possible by living in sin. So works don't save our souls from hell. But I love that portion where James says, show me your faith without your works. Can't do it. And he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Dorcas did good works. Faith saves us. Works prove our salvation. Basically, it goes like this. Our, our walk backs up our talk. If we say we're a believer, a disciple or follower of Christ, that we know I'm a savior, then our Life should back that up. Dorcas's life did. She was full of good works. And I, I love that word full. It wasn't she did some or did one once a week or she was full of good works. And then that leads me to this. Those good works, you know, there's all kinds of places to serve in the church. When Dorcas died, there's a chain of events that happened in our text. 
And I'm going to move through this fairly quickly here. Verse 37, it says, But it happened in those days that she became sick and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Who, who washed her body and laid her in the upper room? Some strangers off the street? They have to go find somebody? No, it was fellow disciples, some other ladies, some people she knew, part of the church that did that. Verse 37. And then verse 38. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Who do they send to Joppa? They make a phone call. <laughs> hey, will anybody go? Put it on Facebook. Anybody running by Lydda? Can you tell Peter we need him? No, they pulled two of the church, two men of the church, believers, part of them and said, hey, won't you two guys go get Peter? Go tell him we have need of him. Verse 39 and 41 says, Peter came and he showed up and he prayed. He showed special faith and prayer. And then verse 39, uh, then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows stood by him weeping. Why were they weeping? They had a relationship with her, right? They were, they were sorrowful. They were sad that Dorcas had died. That only comes from a relationship. It's part of the church. They were there. There's always plenty, plenty of opportunities to serve. And I, I just right here in this instance, people ministering, people serving, people loving, people going, people doing, showing good works. But you know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Scripture talks about the different gifts, spiritual gifts that are given to believers in Christ. Have you read that chapter before? Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you don't, go read it. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Ask God to speak to you. Learn. What is your spiritual gift? Because here's what 1 Corinthians 12 tells us. that Let's just take our crowd here tonight. Okay, just, just tonight. Every one of you myself included, we all have at least one spiritual gift, whether it be the gift of hospitality or the gift of teaching or the gift of preaching or prophecy or tongue or whatever it is, right? There's a whole list of gifts there in 12 and there's some more in Ephesians 4. All of us have a gift and it likens it to the body. 1 Corinthians 12 does. And it says the spiritual gifts are like the body and what is the ear without the mouth? I mean, if there's just an ear laying on the ground, what good is that? What good is the ear without the body, right? What good is the eye without the, the, the ear? What good is the hand without the foot? And it also goes on to say, if the foot is hurting, what else is hurting? The whole body. And he likens that to the church. That if, if someone here who knows Christ as Savior has a spiritual gift, which you do, and you're not using that gift for the body of Christ, then this body is not whole. This body is hurting. This body's missing something. There is a place for every one of us to minister, to serve, to be an encourager, gift of encouragement, right? I mean, there's a place, something for us that God wants us to use our gifts inside the church. Outside too, but I'm really inside. And you see that happening here with Dorcas. There's all kinds of places. And if, and if I'm selfish and I say, I'm not doing it, 
I'm going to be an attender. I'm going to come, sit, listen, slip out, not do anything. Then our body's not whole. Our body's actually hurting some because you're not using your gift or gifts. Some people have five gifts, <laughs> spiritual gifts, and those are God-given, right? You don't pray for one and just get it. God gives those to you. We don't necessarily get to choose them. He gives those to us. But I know this, he usually, usually, for the most part, gives us gifts that are right in our wheelhouse because he created us that way. So I see that here with Dorcas, right? She was full of good works. And when she died, the church rallied. The church rallied. And then what happened? <laughs> she got raised from the dead. Peter had everyone leave because only God could raise Dorcas. And Peter needed time to spend with God. And look at verse 40. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Now, that's real easy to read like that, right? <laughs> Do we grasp what just happened? Dorcas died. They washed her body. They moved it to an upper room. They're crying. They're weeping. They sent some men to Lydda to get Peter to bring him back to Joppa. Peter comes back and he assesses the situation. He prays about it. God says, here's what I want you to do. He puts everybody out. He prays again. And then when he feels led by the Holy Spirit, he doesn't yell, shout, scream, do anything else. He just says, hey, Tabitha, right? Hey, Dorcas, arise. And she sits up, sees Peter. <laughs> That's crazy. Or is it? I'm not saying that if somebody dies, all we got to do is follow this method in Acts chapter 9, right? It doesn't work that way. God moves differently. But in this instance, God's power is on display, is not? And I want you to get this. Verse 42. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So I have to ask, why did God raise Dorcas from the dead? For his honor and for his glory. That's why he did it. And it says, and many believed. Not a few, not some, not one. Many believed. Many came to believe in Jesus as a savior because of the illness, because of the resurrection. The bad that seemed to happen to her turned out to be good for the furtherance of the gospel. Boy, that's a good reminder for me. The bad that seemed to be going on in my life, the bad that seemed to be happening in their life. Oh, Dorcas wasn't, I don't know how old she was, but you know how it goes, right? Too young, too soon, could, shouldn't have been gone this early or whatever. And then God takes that and he brings good out of it. it reminds me of Philippians chapter one. And Paul said this, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So that it has been, become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Say, so well, I don't make that much of a difference. I'm not that much of an influence. I don't know that many people. You got to throw all that aside. We need to make sure that we know Christ is our Savior. 
And then we need to strive to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, one who is doing good works for God and using our spiritual gifts for his honor and his glory. And as we do that, others are going to notice. God's going to get the glory for it. There are people in your life that only you can influence. And you're going to influence them for Christ or not for Christ. There are people in my life, you can't influence them, only I can. But I want you to get that. Paul, who went through so much, and I don't want to step on Cody's toes, right? Paul went through so much. He said, everything that I went through was for the furtherance of the gospel. What an attitude. So what can we learn from Dorcas tonight? We need to be a true disciple. We need to be serving, loving, giving, and giving God the glory when he uses us. So the question before us tonight for you and for me is this. Are we a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Are we a true disciple? Where are we serving? Where are we loving? Who in our life is teaching us to be more Christ-like? What discipleship ministry are we in? What community group? What faith group? What, where are we involved in the lives of other believers to help us be more like Jesus? Where, where's that? Where's the Bible study time? Where's the prayer time? Where's, where are we being a disciple? See, somewhere in our mind, in our culture, in our mindset, we have this idea of what a Christian looks like, right? Y'all agree with me on that? We have this idea of what a good Christian looks like. And we need to throw that aside and ask ourselves, am I a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Am I sitting at his feet, learning, becoming more like him, making decisions that he wants me to make, honoring him with my life, with my words, with my actions, with my works and what I do? Am I full of good works or am I full of sinful works? We need to be asking ourselves the right questions. Are we a true disciple of Jesus? If someone were to tell me <laughs> that I was like Dorcas, I would take that as a compliment. If they told me, who do I want to pick on? If I was like Ron Morosky, I'd go, oh man, that's not good. I'm just kidding, Ron. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are you like Dorcas tonight? Well, I want to be. Pray with me. Father, we come tonight and thank you that we can open your word and look into it and study it and you can challenge us through it. And I, I pray tonight that we as believers in Christ, first of all, that we would solidify that in our life. If someone here tonight has never made that decision to accept Christ as their personal savior from their sin, that's the first step they need to take, the first thing they need to do. We can't be your disciple. We can't be like you if we don't believe in you and trust in you as savior. So I just throw that one out there tonight. Let the Holy Spirit use it. And if someone's here tonight is not sure, let them come up to me after the service and we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. But for most here, I know their testimony. I know their proclamation that they know Christ as Savior. And I pray that we as believers in Christ would ask the right questions in our life, that we could look at a, a Tabitha or a Dorcas, 
see that she was a disciple of yours, serious about it, fully committed. You were Lord and Savior and Master in her life. And, and I didn't even get there in the scripture, but it said that, that when she was full of good works, the ladies were saying she made all these coats for us. She used her talents and gifts for you. And I pray that we would ask ourselves, where are we doing that? What are we doing for the cause of Christ? Where are we involved? Are we so involved in our own life, so self-consumed? Because there's just not much time to be a true disciple full of good works. So Father, we just come before you tonight, humbly asking, begging you to show us what we need to do. What step do we need to take in our life? And may we be dedicated enough and submissive enough and intentional enough in our life to take that next step that we need to take to be a more dedicated disciple, follower of Jesus Christ. So God, as we dismiss tonight, May this just not be another Wednesday night where we came to church, we sang some songs, we gave an offering, we heard some preaching or teaching, and we walk out and nothing changes. Do a work that only you can do on the inside of us. And not only here, but up on the porch tonight and in the lives of our kids. And I know this, we'll be very, very careful and very glad to give you the glory for any good that comes out of it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's it. Thank you for being here tonight. 